Pastor George here. I wanted to take a second and thank you for checking out our online messages. Our prayer is that this resource will challenge you, encourage you, and empower you as you uh, dig deeper in your relationship with Christ. But in no way will it replace God's plan for your active involvement in a local church. I do want to take a second and ask you to uh, prayerfully consider as you participate and listen to this resource, partnering with Revive as we uh, pursue our mission of seeing people live their fullest life in Christ. You can do this by going online to revivechurchga.com backslash give and making a one-time donation or setting up a recurring gift. It's through the generosity of others that we're able to provide um, a resource like this one. With that being said, uh, I do want to thank you again, and here is today's message. excited just like Lauren said this morning I'm excited to be here I think the mic is falling okay no you guys can hear me right okay um and I love this video stuff I don't know it gets me excited even more excited than I already am right so um okay (laughs) that's okay (laughs) it gets me excited too a little bit (laughs) um well I welcome you guys Um, As you all are aware that we are in this series called I Am, and so it's been a great series. I've been enjoying it. I hope that you guys have been enjoying it as well. Um, And so these are statements that Christ made, and you would find them more so in the book of John. Um, So the very first week, I'm just doing a little bit of a recap. Um, We did I Am the Bread of Life, and so we we took communion during that time as well. The second week, we had a group discussion um, over I am the I am, and this is where uh, God told Moses what to tell the children of Israel in regards to what his name, um, is it was or is? I think it's is, yeah. So in the third week, uh, we had Pastor George to lead us with I am the light of the world, um, which was amazing, as well as last week with I am the great shepherd. Um, And so now here we are with I am the gate. So for those who like to follow along with the scripture, um, it is John 10, verses 7 to 10. So it's a very short scripture, but um, if you want to turn there, you can. Um, And we do have about three more weeks in this series. So still a little bit more to come, but I think it's going to be awesome. It just gets better as as we go along with the series. So, And just a little note as well, um, if anyone are interested in Listening again to any of the sermons, uh, Pastor George, he does uh, upload these sermons to the website. So you can easily go there and watch it if you missed anything. So I encourage you to do so. Um, So beginning to read, if you found it already, John 10, verses 7 to 10. And if for any reason I'm starting to go really fast, slow me down, please. (laughs) Tell me, slow down. (laughs) Okay. So therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. 
I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Father in heaven, we thank you, God, for your word. We pray, O oh Lord, that you will move amongst us, Lord God. Let it be evident that you are here. In the name of Jesus, amen. So when Chris and I first purchased our home here in Georgia, it was a bit of a fixer-upper, and truthfully, it still is a fixer-upper a bit there. Um, but one of the things that we needed to work on was actually our fence. Um, it had a lot of missing boards, and I'm glad he went ahead and fixed that right away, because if he didn't, it would have looked like a mouthful of missing teeth. So we went ahead and got that done. Um, but in doing that, the one thing we didn't get a chance to work on right away was the gate. So because we didn't have the access um, with the, the gate itself wasn't functioning the way it should, he left it open so that we can have the unlimited access that we needed. But the problem with that is that it also allows access to unauthorized or unwanted guests or visitors. Not referring to people really, but more so the animals. So we have seen deer, and Chris apparently have seen a horse in the subdivision, but I wasn't concerned about them, right? For instance, the horse can't fit through that opening, so I wasn't really worried about that. But I was worried about the dogs, because we have seen the dogs come in and out through the, the opening before, and that can get dangerous, especially if you are in the backyard, maybe planting some flowers or tending to the garden, maybe taking a nap. Whatever we could be doing, we could be unaware as to what's going on if a dog runs in, and it could get dangerous. So this summer, Chris went ahead and fixed the gate. It seems like every summer we take on a project when it's the hottest. <laughs> so yeah, he went ahead and worked in the heat of the day, and it rained a little bit, and he just worked right through it and got the gate fixed. So now we have the access that we wanted, but we can also deny access to who or what we don't want to have access to our backyard. So I bring this story up because Jesus mentioned that he is the gate. And so to better understand what he means when he says that, I want us to do two things. Well, first, I want us to define what a gate is. And then I want us to go through the background, go all the way back to Genesis. So for scriptures, if you, we're going to go there in a few minutes, it's going to be Genesis 1, verses 26 that we're going to visit, as well as Genesis 3, verses 1, and a few verses there as well. So let's define a gate. What is a gate? A gate is a hinged barrier used to close an opening in a fence. A hinged barrier used to close an opening in a fence. And honestly, I was debating if to say this or not, but some of you may be familiar, familiar with I am the door. It's just a different version of what I'm saying here, but if that's the case, just know it's the same functioning. So a door would be a hinge barrier used to close an opening in a wall, a structure or frame of some kind. So essentially the same thing. Jesus knows what he was saying, so <laughs> no worries there. But just like the gate that I mentioned earlier, the fence that I, I mentioned, um, our fence, the gate was, there was an opening in the fence, 
And so the gate was a barrier that we had to put to close that opening, but it was hinged. So therefore it can open as we need it to open and close when we needed it to close. So, so that's the definition of a gate. I'm sure you guys already knew that, but we wanted to kind of visit that together. So a hinge barrier used to close and open in, in a fence. So what happened for us to need a gate? Well, Genesis 1, verses 26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his image, his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So now we have this image or this picture of what man and woman, in this case, Adam and Eve, was supposed to be. God had purpose. He had planned, he had intended for them to reign and rule over what he had created. We read in the scripture, he had created the birds, he had created the fish, the creatures that moved along the grounds that we don't really like too much, but all of it he had created. And he had told Adam and Eve that they were to reign and rule over all of it. Essentially, he calls them a king and queen. This was the kingdom of the earth. And with that, he also blessed them, which means he enabled them to be successful in dominion and power to reign and rule as they were supposed to be. He made them successful. And in also blessing them, which means he gave them the access to his resources from the kingdom of heaven, they had his full support. But just like the movies that I'm sure you guys may have seen, at least I hope you've seen the same movies I have, but you will be introduced to another character. And that character is most of the time called the villain in these stories. So just as an example, just to bring up two movies, I won't say the names, but hopefully it can jog your memory a little bit. But one of the situations you may have seen are these movies was with a king and he was, he lost his queen and so he, went to battle as he usually would, but then he comes back from battle, but he comes back with this beautiful woman. And they got married the same day he gets back. But then she gets rid of him in a nice way of saying things. She got rid of him that night. And then she took over the kingdom. Likewise, if maybe not that one didn't spark some memories there, but maybe you're familiar with the princess where she is fair and beautiful and pure of heart and she wanders through the kingdom enjoying life as it is when she's befriended by the stranger who comes in, deceives her by giving her food of some kind and she eats it and falls into a deep sleep. So this story and many others like it actually is 
is kind of part of what is going on here. We introduce this serpent here who is the villain, and like the other stories, he is here to do the same exact thing. So in Genesis 3, verses 1, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So here we have this picture of the serpent, this villain, who is actually the devil. I know the movies I mentioned, they are fictional, but this story here is the truth. It really happened. And so we don't know how long Adam and Eve were really reigning and ruling for, but we do know or we can imagine that this serpent, he was watching and waiting for a moment to deceive them. And so we don't know what made this moment the perfect moment, but it worked. He moved in and he convinced them to do something as they quoted not to do. He convinced them to do exactly that. And so when they sinned by disobeying God, three things in particular happened. The first thing that happened when Adam and Eve sinned and disobeyed God is that they lost relationship with the Father. Now no longer were they in right standing with him. If you were to read further down, you will find that God came in the cool of the day to fellowship with them, to hang with them, talk about things. But they were hiding from him. They were ashamed of what they had done. They were guilty. And now they were afraid of him. So they lost relationship with the father. The second thing that happened that when Adam and Eve sinned and disobeyed God, they also lost eternal life. See, the three of us, Chris, my mom and I, we were driving home one day from church and I don't know what sparked this conversation, but somehow we were talking about how old Adam was. And so I was saying we don't know his age, but Chris was like, yes, we do. The Bible says what his age is. And I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, the Bible says that? And I read the Bible. Like, what's going on? But I looked it up because he told me to look it up. And I pulled it up on my phone. He was driving. And I really saw that there was an age listed for Adam. So one, I was upset he was right again. But two, I was like, okay, all right, so... I don't know what, what to do now, but 
here as I was preparing this sermon, I kind of felt a little justified (laughs) because then I realized why I thought what I thought. And that is because, as I mentioned, when they sinned, basically a time clock entered the earth. See, before they sinned, we don't know how long they were on the earth for. They could have been reigning and ruling, in my opinion, maybe hundreds of years or thousands of years. But my opinion, let me clear that up. But when they had sinned, now they have to track their time because no longer were they living to live forever, eternity. They had no reason to look at their clock. But now they were looking at their clock because one day they were going to die. So when they had sinned, the birth that we, the birth age and date of Adam that we see here is not from when they were created, but instead from when they had sinned and disobeyed God. The third thing that happened when Adam and Eve sinned and disobeyed God, they lost the kingdom of the earth as well as access to the kingdom of heaven. See, in Luke 4, 5, and 6, This serpent, the villain, who is the devil, he actually went to Jesus who was fasting and praying in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. And he led him up to this high mountain and he showed him the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, all of this was given to me. He says, if you would bow down and worship me, I will give it to you. But we know Jesus. He says in John 8, 44, the devil is a liar. As well as John 10 and 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And why does he say that? Because the kingdom of the earth was never given to the devil. He stole it with the intention to kill them, kill us, and destroy the human race. So when the devil stole the kingdom of the earth from Adam and Eve. He empowered the basically a great big fence separated the kingdom of the heavens from the kingdom of the earth. And the fence that I mentioned earlier, Chris and I, our fence, see, we had an opening and we had access as we needed, but we had the issue with unauthorized access, of course, but the kingdom of heaven couldn't afford that. It could not have an opening because of unauthorized and unwanted access. It couldn't afford that. And why? Because light does not fellowship with darkness. So this is what happened to cause us to then need a gate. Because in order for us to have access, we needed a gate. And so Jesus, as Pastor George mentioned, he came from heaven he put a, he's God put on flesh, and now he came, took our sins, our iniquity. He dies for us on the cross so that he would be our gate. So what does it mean when we say Jesus is the gate? It means now, number one, we have access to the Father. John 14 verse 6 says, no one comes to the Father except And this is Jesus speaking through me. So you want to meditate on that word. John 20, verse 17 
See, Mary was in the garden when Jesus rose again on the third day, and she was looking for him. And when he basically revealed himself to, to her, she cries out to him, and she's about to touch him. And he says, stop. Don't touch me, Mary. He says, for I have not yet ascended to heaven. He says, but go tell my brethren that I am ascending to my father, who is your father. I'm ascending to my God, who is your God. So Jesus, because of his righteousness, he has made us have right standing with the Father. And so no longer are we in a place of being outcast, but instead we are in a place of acceptance. Two, what does it mean for Jesus to be our gate? It means now we have access to eternal life. John 10, verse 9, whoever enters through me, here we go again, through me will be saved. John 3, 14, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever would believe in him would have eternal life. John 6, 40, this, Jesus says, is the will of the Father, that whosoever would look to the Son and believe in him would have eternal life and be raised up in the last day. Three, what does it mean for Jesus to be our gate? It means now we have access to the kingdom of heaven. John 10, 9, they will come in and go out and find pasture. See, there was this young lady on the television. I guess it was a documentary, so I could only assume that Chris was watching it. But I, in passing, kind of figure out what was going on. She was essentially, Chris des described it as she was the supply chain. See, she was going to the restaurants that was throwing away abundance of food. At the end of the day, they don't use it, they throw it away. So what she would do is go ahead and collect that food before it's thrown away and then give it to the homeless people. So she was being that channel to move things to help where, where help is needed. And essentially, Jesus is that supply chain. He says in John 1, verse 51, he says he is the stairway between heaven and earth. Likewise, in Mark 5, verses 25 to 29, there was a woman who was suffering for 12 years. 12 years, she was hurting and in pain. The doctors gave her bad report after bad report, and the scripture says she wasn't getting better, only worse. But she heard of Jesus. And as he was in the crowd, she pressed her way through with the mindset that if only she could touch him, which she did. She touched just the end of his clothing, not his face, not his hands. She didn't stop him and ask him to pray for her in front of the whole crowd. She wanted to kind of sneak in there, touch him, and leave. And when she touched him, she received from heaven, from heaven, through Jesus. Here we go with that word again. Through Jesus, what she needed for her body to be made whole. And so John 10, 10, Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. 
So what must we do? Well, first, we want to receive Jesus into our hearts. I assume that we here believe, but if for any reason we don't, I encourage you and I invite you of this, someone that hasn't made that decision to receive Jesus. Because like Paul says in Romans 10, 9, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, he says that you will be saved. But Jesus says it even easier for you. He says in John 6, 28, responding to the Jews who asked, the, asked him, what must we do to do the works that God requires? And Jesus answers them by saying, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Number two, what must we do? We must know the truth. See, there's this, on television again, <laughs> there's this guy who has, he has a lot of women competing for his hand in marriage. But two of them in particular were fighting, but not even fighting over him. They were fighting about each other. They were saying different things or, or things just opposite of what the other one was saying. So obviously one was lying. That's my point. One person was lying. And so one of the young ladies, she says, I want to tell my truth. And in that moment when she said that, we knew that she was the one that was deceived. See, the way she said it and what she said, we just knew that. And so Chris and I did a bad thing. We laughed at her. We did. We laughed at her. But we were wrong because we shouldn't laugh at that because the truth is a lot of people today are deceived. There's so much information being fed out there. Maybe sometimes it's something that may have happened in your past. So you go over it in your mind and you make assumptions as to what or who you are. Sometimes it's the television that is feeding you information or today's day and age is the internet that is feeding you information. Or maybe it's the friend or the family member that's in your ears about things or your family or about you feeding you negative information and one more thing and this is not the thing that most people would believe would lie to you but maybe sometimes your situation or your circumstance may be also lying to you see as I mentioned to you Jesus says that the devil he is a liar John 8 44 he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, but there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So this information is being shared with you, and it's not necessarily the truth. And how do we know he lied? Let's use the example of Adam and Eve. He told her that if she eats of the fruit, she would be like God, but she was already like God. He told her she won't die, but they died because it was God's plan for them to live forever. So the devil is a liar, but Jesus is the truth. And Pastor George is going to speak about that in the future, but he is the truth, right? And he gives you his word as a standard. So you can hold that word up and any information you receive, whether it's in your, your mind from your history or your past or from people or from the television, the internet or your situation or your circumstance, whatever it is, you hold it against the word of God. Use the word as a standard and see if it lines up 
to what the word says about you. So here we are, we're coming to the end here. But Jesus also gave you one more helper here. He gave you his Holy Spirit who will lead you and guide you into all truth. So in conclusion, we talked about Adam and Eve in the garden. And essentially, we can agree that they were king and queen, even though nowadays we don't acknowledge them that way, right? <laughs> For all that happened. But <laughs> truthfully, they were king and queen and over the kingdom of the earth. And so they had to have a throne, which was the Garden of Eden. That was their throne. So what happens when a king and a queen lose their kingdom? They also lose their throne. In Genesis 3, verses 23 to 24, God kicked them out of the Garden of Eden. And what did he do? He placed an angel in front of the garden. In other version, it says a living creature. And the sword in his hands was flaming and flashing back and forth to prevent their entrance back into the garden. But instead of seeing that angel or that living creature doing that, Imagine Jesus with his hands held out saying, I am the gate. Enter through me into the Father's presence. I am the gate. Enter through me into eternal life. I am the gate. Enter through me into the kingdom of heaven and experience the abundant life that God has for you. Amen. So Pastor George is going to come and pray for us. Thank you.